Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com, here with a name you know, Taylor Wilde. How you doing? Oh, I'm so great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I mean, lots of stuff to ask you, but I'm going to go ahead and get the question out that everybody, you're probably being asked every interview, (laughs) how have you been, what have you been doing since your wrestling career ended? I'm really good. Um, I've been incredibly busy. I've been retired almost. 10 years. Um, in that time, I finished my BA in psychology. I then went to a technical college. I got a diploma in firefighting and a bunch of emergency um, uh, like certificates, essentially. Uh, I got hired full-time as a firefighter in Toronto, where I live. Uh, I got married. I had a beautiful baby boy. And uh, now I've started a podcast, and uh, I- I'm inching towards maybe coming out of retirement if uh, this COVID ever allows, though. So. so, yeah, you, you mentioned the podcast. Uh, I- I've seen, uh, actually heard about it via a friend, the-, the Wild On podcast. And you mentioned retirement for the last 10 years, but uh, the-, the future seems pretty open. First off, what motivated you to do the, the podcast? Um, well, Truth be told, I had decided to go back to wrestling the end of March. I was going to go back for an impact date in Canada. Um, I was ready to, you know, start the Taylor Wilde 2.0 career. And then Corona happened and has obviously changed the face of the world as we know it. I'm Canadian. The borders are to some degree closed unless you're an essential worker and you paperwork professional wrestlers aren't high up there on uh, work visas so I've always thought of doing this and uh, it just seems like the right time so especially because you know a lot more people are home or uh, you know living a lower key life they're they're more interested in things like podcasts so it's a platform that I hadn't utilized before and I'm really excited about yeah, our parent company is based out of Toronto, so we go up there once a year, and we unfortunately don't get to 
this year because of everything that's going on. But you had mentioned yeah. the the impact date that was set. I assume <laughs> that had something to do with the TNA versus impact storyline that they have going and the uh, the subsequent pay-per-view that they had set. Yeah, um, it, like I said, it was for the Windsor date. There was a few things surrounding it that made sense for it to be, you know, a Canadian date since I live in Toronto. Um, I think there there was some talk about the TNA versus Impact, but again, it literally was happening as the world was changing. So there yeah. there wasn't uh, anything concrete, and I'm not uh, not sharing, but yeah, the, the things were changing so quickly. So do, did Impact seem open in uh, working with you in the future if you were to come back, even though that, that date didn't work out? If I was a betting woman, I would say yes. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So <laughs> you left nine years ago, and you left mm. in your, what were you, 24, 25? 25, 25, oh yep. God. I mean, yep. We would see a lot of w- women in WWE leave around 29, 30, 31 then. Not so much these days. The, the longevity yeah. is is there a lot more now. And you're still, you're like, what, 33, 34 now? Uh, 34, yeah. <laughs> so you, you would have a full career ahead of you even because you got started so early. The, mm-hmm. the, I mean, the emotions and the thoughts have, you, you said you've thought about it for a long time. How mm-hmm. long? Um, on and off. Probably, uh, I would say, oh, excuse me. I've got an alarm going off. Sorry, that, I hope that didn't meddle with the recording. Um, for the past two years, since my okay. son was born, I think it was one of the like subconscious motivations to get back in shape after having a child. Um, I'd say for a good five years, I was completely checked out like I wasn't watching wrestling I wasn't really talking to too many of my friends um not because I don't love them just you know I'm an all or nothing kind of person I was out of it I was changing gears I wanted to start a career in firefighting I wanted to start a family so it was and I needed the time away I needed like a a, like a very concrete finish uh to recuperate and recover like I did retire at 25 but I had been at it since just before my 19th birthday like I I had had a you know decent run, and I was very busy uh, for all of that time. So it was an extremely young um, retirement, but I was I was pretty sore at the end of it too. Like my body really needed it, and uh, uh, you know, for my morale, where I was in my life, the uncertainty that wrestling was at that time. You know, you weren't salaried. There's not like a benefit package or pension or anything like that, and. Um, you know, for better or worse, I'm always a forward thinking person and I'm very goal oriented and it was too uncertain at that time. I was very sore. I was mentally burnt out. So at that time it, it made sense and, and I don't regret, regret it at all. Has the ascension of women's wrestling in the mainstream helped contribute to that decision? We've seen people like Becky Lynch main event WrestleMania. I don't know how much you keep up with pro wrestling these days, but did that have anything to do with the decision or was it strictly a personal one? Um, both. Oh my God. We are in such an exciting time again for women's wrestling. I feel when I was uh, with TNA, uh, you know, wrestling like anything in popular culture goes in waves. And uh, when I was part of um, the knockouts division, it was a really exciting time. Like there was characters, there was so much diversity, the 
storylines were rich and had so much substance. Um, you know, there were sometimes two women's matches, uh, multiple vignettes, and the focus, you know, not primarily, but there was a large focus on the knockouts. And then we went through a lull and a change and, you know, when I was off, I wasn't as focused, but nothing was drawing me back in to watch. Um, but now I feel like uh, Impact is, is doing something very similar. They, they've taken a lot of their own young, homegrown talent and, and have built on them. And uh, the women's division, again, is it's full, it's diverse. Storylines are very interesting. Um, same thing with WWE. Like, I'm so proud of Becky Lynch and Natty Neidhart and all the women that I came up with, they, they're all doing really, really well and they're doing their own thing. Like it's a very strong girl power movement going on right now. And it's very exciting. And I absolutely have a huge part of me wanting to be back in it. Now, when a lot of people think of Toronto and wrestling, they think of Edge, Christian, Bobby Roode, Eric Young. You came up a little bit after them with, yeah. with like a different crop of people. And you mentioned Natty Neidhart and Becky Lynch. There were, a lot of, of women doing a lot of traveling back then, especially that would cross mm-hmm. paths. Were who all did you did you learn from and and gain experience from in your travels, so to speak, that ended up becoming major stars? Oh goodness! Um, well, for a long time in the beginning of my career, there was another girl, Tiana Ringer, who I had trained with from essentially day one. So we were wrestling each other a lot locally because truthfully i think there was only the two of us um and then when shimmer came about it was getting bigger and bigger um so there was maddie neidhart there was sarah stock there was odb gail kim was kind of in and out but she was already on her way to wwe yeah uh angelina love um i'm totally gonna be missing people here (laughs) um there, there there was a lot um uh, uh, Nikki Rocks. Um, so I mean, there oh, was God. there was a great crop of of talent to work off of and and improve with. Like, I mean, it, it's weird to think that so many of these women who are still in their early to mid thirties were all competing together fifteen years ago. That's yeah, that's that's a rarity in wrestling. I agree. Um, I think it's interesting now, uh, you know, people think about like the Attitude Era in WWE when it was very like model based. Everyone was, you know, very blonde and very tanned and their boobs were pushed really high. And the quality of wrestling isn't what it is today. It was good for a girls match you would hear a lot of. Um, Whereas now, the diversity of women, not just in their characters, their bodies, they're more true to themselves. Like we're seeing a revolution in women's bodies, period. Like fit is the new sin. And I am, I'm such a big advocate of that because there's been so much focus on being thin and fitting into this box. So with this diversity, with women's wrestling, you can have a longer career. You're not just 35 and washed up because you don't look good in spandex anymore. You don't have to just wear a little spandex outfit. You can be like the Havoc where you're wearing, you know, a full more bodysuit or you can be like the Austin Kongs where you're a big, strong woman and that is your gimmick. So I think there's this new movement where you can age gracefully in the professional wrestling world and still be successful. 
So to kind of keep up with your early career, do I remember right that you had an ROH appearance pretty early on too? Uh, I must be done. Yeah, I, I think very early on. And, and forgive me, my memory is not always the greatest <laughs> because I work shift work. I have a toddler and I used to hit my head quite regularly. Um, <laughs> I, I did, uh, I believe it was uh, right before the very first Shimmer show. So it may have been in Chicago, but yeah, there, there was a match very early on. And then you ended up uh, going to WWE and doing developmental stuff. Who spoke to you about that? Who brought you in? Who recruited you, so to speak? Yeah, for sure. So my uh, trainer, Rob Fuego, he actually came up with Edge and Christian, Rhino, um, and uh, Johnny Slinger, actually. So uh, those uh, superstars were kind of in and out of my school for the first two years, whether they were coming off injury or they were just there to visit uh, my trainer. And uh, I was very, very lucky. Um, they had kind of watched me grow over the past two years, and I actually had their stamp of approval <clears throat> when I had sent my promo package to WWE. And uh, the head of talent relations at the time, I believe, was John Laronitis. And uh, didn't have much success with him. He wasn't a really a big fan of mine, <laughs> uh, but I, I kept at it. And uh, then once Tommy Dreamer took over that position, um, that's when things changed. That's when I, that's when I um, was given the opportunity to have the tryout at Deep South Wrestling. You, you mentioned Tommy Dreamer having at least a good impression of you. He's still involved in Impact Wrestling now. Was he the one that reached out about this or? Was it Scott Demore, maybe the Canada connection, or somebody else to to bring you back to Impact? Uh, it was kind of a, a cumulative uh, thing. A few friends I still maintain in the knockout locker room, and uh, I had taken my son not that long ago to the show that was in Toronto. Oh. Um, so yeah, there was a few conversations. So when you left WWE. What were your thoughts then? When Were you like, okay, I'm going to keep plugging away? I mean, I'm sure it's not ever an easy thing to, to leave a company like that, but what was your mindset like? I was pretty disillusioned. Um, you know, I, I had had some momentum going in developmental, and for a few different reasons, uh, the ideas they had for me just fizzled out, and that was kind of the end of it. So, <clears throat> again, I needed a break. At that point, I thought, okay, screw it. Maybe this isn't for me. I'll go back to university. I'll finish my degree. And then uh, I think six months later, I think, TNA called. <laughs> Didn't you do some house shows? I remember reading once, uh, like SmackDown house shows or something against J.B. Noble. Yeah, I'd done a few um, dark matches with Jamie. So they ha their idea for me was uh, I was wrestling as a Japanese boy. I, I wore a double mesh, um, blacked out, like, Lucha Libre mask, shoulder pads, um, big kick pads, big baggy Sabu pants, but I was wrestling at, as a boy <laughs> named Sendai, hailing from parts unknown Japan. And, uh, yeah, I, I was fighting Jamie Noble, and I guess the grand idea was to have me um, win the intergender title, or the cruiserweight title, excuse me. Uh, but whoever was champ at that time wasn't into it and made quite a stink. 
so even though this was Vince McMahon's, uh, whether it was his idea or not, we had a meeting and he had his stamp of approval on it. Um, and I had some pretty excellent people working with me at the time. Like I said, Jamie Noble and Dean Malenko was very behind it. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a political business and whoever was champ at that time basically won. And then I was out of a job because there was no more ideas for me. I'd been in developmental for about a year and it was time to bring in some fresh meat, I guess. So had you met with Vince McMahon about this idea or was it just something you had heard down the pipeline? No, no. I had a sit down, one-on-one, shake your hand, congratulations uh, meeting. How did that go? Because I've heard some various things. Like, for example, Kevin Thorne, big dude, told me how intense. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details he was to meet Vince McMahon for the first time. Yeah, very well, you know, too, you're, you're, <clears throat> you're so eager to please and you want to be memorable and you want to make a good impression. And yeah, he's a very intimidating person. Uh, but he was, you know, very, very fair. Um, he's obviously, you know, quite a persona. So he gets through to <laughs> that character. But uh, yeah, it, it was a very intimidating experience. What I will not forget, I probably blacked out half so I remember nodding and smiling a lot, um, <laughs> but I couldn't really recreate the conversation for you. So who breaks the news to you that you're you're not winning the Intercontinental, or not the Intercontinental title, the Cruiserweight title after, yeah. I mean, because I mean, that's a pretty major thing to be told, like, hey, you're a woman in developmental, in that era especially, oh, but we're mm-hmm. going to use you on the main roster and you're going to become Cruiserweight champion. Yeah, um... I can't remember exactly how it went, but I was doing house shows for SmackDown pretty regularly. Um, and I can't remember if I was kicked off at my last house show or what was going on, but I remember being, I was living in Tampa at the time and I remember driving back from the gym and uh, getting some text messages from some other people in developmental that people were being let go. And I just had this like, instant thinking feeling i was like i'm next (laughs) and uh, that was kind of it and then i got the phone call and you know they wished me best in all my future endeavors well you did end up in tna and you made an immediate impact there was was any of that a part of the pitch like hey you're gonna come in and immediately you're gonna work with awesome kong and you're gonna win the championship and you're gonna be like the key cog not at all (laughs) (laughs) Nope. <laughs> I, uh, I actually had no idea what I was walking into. Um, there were so many women hired at that time. I just 
I, I didn't know where I was going to slot in, but I was not upset with how it turned out. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty amazing introduction because Awesome Kong had been just the woman there. And quite frankly, to a lot of people, the most dominant character in wrestling at that time. For sure. For sure. Um, it was it, it was, you know, massive shoes to fill. Um, that, that was a sink or swim moment, I think. And uh, it was a very exciting storyline. It was very innovative. It was that quintessential David and Goliath, but with female professional wrestlers uh, coming to life. And uh, it was a blast. And we talk about the, the women's revolution and the way that women are presented today. That was happening a decade ago with TNA wrestling. Like to me in that era, especially around the time Hogan and Bischoff took over, like throughout that transition, the women were the most integral part of that show. They were what stood out. I couldn't see on WWE programming what I saw on TNA programming by way of, of women's wrestling. How important was that to you sticking around and your happiness then? Was that a level of creative satisfaction that was getting fulfilled? Absolutely. And at that point, um, after being with WWE just for a year, but being on the road probably for a good five months with the uh, WWE crew, the mentality and morale of everybody at TNA, everyone was pretty darn happy to be there. Um, the crews were happy. The wrestlers were happy. It was much more of a, like a family-like locker room versus everybody in WWE. At that time, it was a different time, but we're, we're talking about different pay scales. We're talking about different levels of status. Everyone is a lot more on edge um, at WWE and uh, you're not so quick to be accepted, whereas I think with TNA, everybody was just so happy to be there, and it was homegrown talent. There wasn't a lot of big names uh, that were competing with each other, so they were all creating this product together, and I and I loved that. And regardless of uh, the salaries that were coming in, being part of this like homegrown product that was gaining massive steam and momentum, and everyone was getting along. That, that was priceless to me, and that's what made me say I, I never looked back at WWE. And I remember the matches were a little bit shorter, but I, I remember there being like a one-month period where you were in like a cage match and a ladder match and then a Monsters Ball match. Mm-hmm. Though That was not something that was happening in other major promotions at that time. Like you, no. In, in like thumbtack matches and stuff like <laughs> that, this was... This was unique to you, and also they, they crammed it in like a month and a half, I feel like. Like you yeah. were doing all these crazy <laughs> matches. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, like I said, it was a very cool time, and it, it really um, set the tone for what women's wrestling could be. And, I, you know, I hope I did a good enough job that, you know, that, that had continued. Uh, and, I, and I assume it has done, um, but... If it hasn't, I'd love to be part of bringing those matches back because I, I think women are at a point now where they're not just having good matches for women. They're having good matches. Well, they instituted the TNA women's knockout tag titles, which I think w- it would not be surprising to see those come back. Like uh, As we film this, we are ahead of Slammiversary, and the last champions were Eric Young and ODB. 
they're both out there in the free agent market. It wouldn't shock me to see them just pop up on Slammiversary with the titles as if they never lost them or something, pretending yeah. that, like, it wouldn't shock me at all. And Impact has, in my opinion, the deepest roster of any brand as far as women go. I'm sure if WWE pulled all their talent together, they would. But as far as an individual brand, Impact just, it, it has a lot of that. How much of that roster are you familiar with now? And how much of that have you gotten familiar with in the recent months or years? Yeah, I've, I've completely uh, re-familiarized myself with the brand. And like I said, it, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's um, this homegrown talent. Uh, there's a good mix. There's a lot of people that were not known and now are named. And uh, the women's division is growing, or the knockouts are growing fast. Yeah. Yeah, I love the addition of Deanna Perrazzo and Kylie Ray. I think Kiara Hogan is way better than anyone realizes. Tasha mm-hmm. Steele's signing. Like, they just keep adding really, really good names. And they, as we mentioned, they lost you pretty early in, in your, well, I don't want to say early in your career because you had already been at it for years. It's just you were so young. I think it surprised so many people. Yeah. How did that conversation go when you told them that you were going to wrap up your career? Well, management was really shifting at that time, uh, roughly around late 2010, 2011. And I don't believe I was really the focus of anybody's, um, anybody in the creative team storylines. Like things were really fizzling out. And uh, I don't remember there being much pushback. If there was, I, I already had my mind made up. So I think it was pretty simple, I'll be honest. And you had mentioned, go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, I I think the biggest shock came from uh, my my family and fellow pro wrestlers. I mean, yeah, you were were so successful at such an early age. I mean, people thought, I think, I remember when I saw it on wrestling news sites, I was like, that can't be true. Like, there's got to be something. (laughs) Like, maybe she wants out of her deal. Maybe she wants this, but no you have stuck to your retirement ever since and and you decided to come back now. What did you think of those management transitions? We talked, or I mentioned Hogan and Bischoff coming in. Mm -hmm. How did that sit with you? Because it did seem like after they came in, the emphasis on on women was not quite what it was before. No, it was, you know, it was a very WWE mentality. And I had left that and TNA had created something very different. And, uh, yeah, the focus wasn't on the knockouts anymore, and it, it didn't seem like it was going to go back that way anytime soon. So it, it was definitely part of my decision of leaving. It was, not, uh, it was not the TNA I had started with. So during this period, over the last nine years, almost ten years, has anybody tried to get you back? Like, have, has anybody reached out? Yeah, um, you know, not every few years. I'd say someone may have given me a little poke or a nod. You want to come back? Um, and it, it nothing, it just, it hadn't been right. But I will say it's, it's very humbling uh, to even get that kind of um, request or, you know, know that I'm still thought of, but it wasn't right at that time. Um, but, but yeah, now it's different. And it's not necessarily uncharted territory because you, you had mentioned, Coming, coming up with Becky Lynch, she took years and years and years off. And a lot of people don't even realize that she spent so many years away from wrestling because she, like you, was so young when she did it. 
And then she mm-hmm. came back and then, bam, immediately almost was was ready to be thrust back into the WWE stage. Mm-hmm. In that time off, like, was there ever any time that you just hit a ring when you were like, ah, let, let me see how I feel, do anything like that? Yeah, uh, funny you say that. Before I had my son, probably uh, maybe six months before I got pregnant, uh, I had... Uh, and I maybe had gone to two or three practices and just being all or nothing, I had, <sighs> I was, I was doing something in an up and over manner and I was a lot stronger than I used to be. <laughs> and I went up and over and smashed my face on the steel post. Oh, no. And yeah, and I definitely was like mildly concussed and I had split the skin right on the bridge of my nose and two other places on my cheek, like the perfect outline of the rectangle when I had headbutted the steel post. <laughs> and it was the day before I was supposed to go on this trip to St. Martin. So I had to drag my sorry butt to the Emerge, get my face glued, and then go on a plane with this like swollen, taped, glued mess on my face and like a mild concussion. And I thought at that time I was, like, well, if you ever needed a sign that you shouldn't go back, that is it. So I took another three years off. You, you had developed that grown woman strength by then. Oh, my God, yes, for sure. I was like, oh, God, I really overestimated my abilities. But we all make mistakes. And I had been lucky in my career. I'd never had any horrible, horrible injuries besides, you know, the odd concussion and broken fingers and toes, but it's not that way. So. In like we've said you've you've lived a very fulfilling life since mm-hmm. wrestling like you've you've done so much like becoming a firefighter and having a child and that's i mean that that's a life that a lot of people they they don't even know if a, a female wrestler could have we see again not to bring up Becky Lynch again but she's off having a child too like how mm-hmm. how is that going to be balancing the wrestling life with having a child I just think I'm in such a different place than I was when I was 24. Like 10 years is a long time. And uh, like you said, I've lived a lot of life in 10 years. Um, One of the really attractive things is the way Impact is doing their filming. It works really well um, against my firefighting schedule. So I work shift work. Um, And, you know, it's a pretty short filming schedule, like one to three days a month. And my son is and he's healthy and he's happy and mama needs a break so he's got a very good dad uh, and I have an excellent support system family wise I know he'd be well looked after so it would just almost be like a little bit of me time to do my thing Um, of course I would miss him but I'm you know women are excellent at multitasking so I feel like it, it would just be something I could work into my life and as we wrap up, I mean, I know that you had mentioned Impact Wrestling. The Toronto area has some pretty good independent wrestling, too, between Smash and, and A1. Would you be interested in doing any independent shows, or would you strictly be trying to, to work like Impact or, or a schedule like that? Hey, if I get a phone call or an email, I am up for anything. I just, no one's called me, so... <laughs> Well, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's. I, I was there for SummerSlam week last year, and mm-hmm. I mean, my gosh, there were like, it felt like twenty, thirty shows. It was a real wow. display of Toronto talent all around, all all around the city, and 
it's it's good to see it explode like that in in such a great city like that and one that has been rich in wrestling but uh as we finish up let the people know where they can find you on social media let the people know where they can find your podcast yeah of course you can follow me on twitter or um instagram with the same handle at real taylor wild wild with an e um if you click the link in my social media it will take you to my podcast it's available on any major podcast platform you can listen to it on spotify you can listen to it on anchor um google uh, let me just pull up the link here cause it's not that simple you can find it on anchor.fm slash wild on and the podcast is called wild on with yours truly taylor wild and we get wild on wednesdays every new or every week there's a new episode Taylor, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, hopefully, uh, next time I'm in Toronto, we can have you in studio for an interview because I uh, always love doing that. But thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Until next time, guys, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 